Episode 17, America's Heritage of Christian Character, continued. Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode with the Principles and Practice Podcast. Today we're talking about character formed by modeling or imitation. And our last episode we talked about how, not literally, but you know, in a figurative way, there are five Gospels. There are four literal Gospels in the Bible, and then the fifth Gospel, so to speak, is the way that we end up living our lives, because people will read us like a book. And so when we're talking about character formed by modeling or imitation, pretty much in the context of this episode, we're talking about the relationship between parents and their children. So our opening Bible verse is from 1 Corinthians 4.16, and it says, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. It's very important to consider our own conduct and our own internal workings and the outer workings from that when we're raising our children. They say that character is formed to a great degree by the age of six. So the earlier that we start modeling for our children Christian self-government and Christian self-character, the earlier we have the opportunity to make a positive impact for our children. So whose responsibility is character formation? Well, we're going to read from Teaching and Learning America's Christian History on page 3, and Rosalie Slater says, There are a few statements today about the opportunity and the obligation of a Christian home in a republic. Yet there is no single element in America which contributes more significantly to the success of Christian constitutional government. It is in the home where the foundations of Christian character are laid. It is in the home where Christian self-government is learned and practiced. Yet the Christian American who is aware of the particular challenges to America's Christian character and to the constitutional form of government still inclines to political education outside the home. Thus, while parents are active politically, educationally, religiously, it becomes necessary for other agencies, the school, the church, the community, to pick up the responsibility for making home the first sphere of government to the republic. Needless to say, they cannot substitute when only the home can provide. So our answer is, obviously, that parents are responsible primarily for the character formation of their children. So Ephesians 6.4 talks about parental training, and it says, uh, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So we look at the phrase, bring them up, in the Greek, ektrifo. I'm sure I messed that up, but we'll try that anyway. <laughs> and it means to uh, to rear up to maturity. And then the word training is pedia in the Greek. And that means education and disciplinary correction. And then you have admonition as nathesia in the Greek. And that's uh, calling attention to by mild rebuke or warning. All right. So admonition is a vocabulary word that we can look up using Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Again, 
This is because Webster's 1828 is the only biblical worldview dictionary that we have. And the definition of admonition is gentle reproof, counseling against a fault, instruction in duties, caution, direction. Webster references Titus 3 and 1 Corinthians 10. In church discipline, public or private reproof to reclaim an offender, a step preliminary to excommunication. So, you might ask a question, when should we be, should we be uh, teaching and training? And the answer is always. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 covers this pretty clearly. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And here are a couple of other Bible verses that talk about the importance of obedience and Christian self-government. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So while we're training our children, while we're teaching them, there's iron sharpening iron. I think most parents can relate to how our children will challenge us in what we say or what we believe, and that helps us to be sharpened. And then when we're coming to our children and we're teaching them and we're training them, then we're helping them to be sharpened as well. And then in Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, it says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Again, we can see an application between the parent and the child with this. We don't want to be you know, loving them so carefully that we conceal our love by not openly like being open with them to rebuke them when it's necessary. But I would say that, you know, we still follow scripture that talks about doing this in private. We don't want to make our children feel ashamed or embarrassed in front of other people when we need to talk with them about something. So I would say that open there is talking about being open with them about what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. All right. So of note, the title of this episode is has to do with America's heritage of Christian character. We're going to wrap that idea back around to looking at some of our history as a nation. We're going to look at key individual George Washington. From the book, The Making of George Washington, written by William Wilbur, there's this dialogue that is given to us. Mary Washington was asked, name the lesson you tried hardest to teach George. And she replied with, to obey. How was he to obey? The person inquired. And Mary replied with, accept corrections thankfully. So we see here that she was being intentional about trying to help George understand the importance of having a teachable spirit, which we all need to have a teachable spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. We can see the fruit of his upbringing when we look at his rules of civility. This has to do with um, not only the character that George Washington was brought up with, but how it was the making of him as a man. Here are some of the rules of civility that we want to focus on as an example. He said, every action done in company 
ought to be with some sign of respect to those that are present. Show nothing to your friend that may affright him. If you cough, sneeze, sigh, or yawn, do it not loud but privately, and speak not in your yawning, but put your handkerchief or hand before your face and turn aside. Sleep not when others speak, sit not when others stand, speak not when you should hold your peace, walk not on when others stop. Show not yourself glad at the misfortune of another, though he were your enemy. Let your recreations be manful, not sinful. Labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. In America's history, there is a school called Appleby Grammar School, and they adopted 108 rules, and those were some of the rules that they passed on and taught to the students in their school. So these were hopefully reinforced by the parents in their homes, but it's important to note that historically in America, character was taught to students in our schools. So when we look how uh, character is formed, we're going to be looking from the inside out. So if you look at Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And then um, also in Romans 12.2, you have... um, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So a great way to go over these verses with your children is to create a T-chart and label one side, like the left side internal, and then the right side external. And you can break down the verses in these ways. For Proverbs 4.23, the internal part is your heart. And then the external part is the issues of life. For Romans 12.2, the left side under internal would be transformed. That's something that happens on the inside when Christ is working in us. And then it's done by the renewing of your mind. That's also internal. So your children would write those notes down on the left column under internal. And then for Romans 12.2, the external the outer working of the work that Christ is doing internally is then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So whenever you're going through Bible passages with your children, again, the T-charts are an excellent tool and you can break it down and say, what are the internal parts that he's teaching us about? What happens inside when Christ is working in us or in, in um, you know, nations? And then what are we looking at when you know, what those outer workings are from him working within us. And then just take those notes down. And then while they're doing this, while they're actively involved, then they start to form convictions from their learning. And that's what we want in order to help shape their character. So we're looking at a principal approach way to life and learning is the way we think. And this is all biblical. So when we're looking at what is exalted the most before an individual, that has to do with their theology. And out of that is what they tend to think about most often. And those are assumptions that they have about life or others. And then out of that, the way that they think, the way that an individual thinks has to do with what they meditate on and reflect on. And then out of that, habits are formed. 
we're going to act without thinking about certain things because we have a conviction about them based on our theology, our assumptions, our meditation, or reflection on the word. And then that outer working is seen in our habits. And then that's also out of the habits, it's seen the, the lifestyle of an individual, which is reflective of their character. This is important because we're setting the example for our children. So we're trying to raise them up to be people of good character. So in Luke 640, uh, it says, A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. So as we raise our children up, and, and people that we put in front of our children would be like a Christian teacher or anybody influenced for our um, our children. You need to choose those those authorities carefully because they're being, going to be helping to form the character that is going to be going forward uh, in the world. And they're going to be leaders in our churches, going to be leaders in civics and everywhere else in life. So in uh, Teaching and Learning American Christian History, um, in pages 215 and 2.16, um, it brings up some good points about education and applications. So, anyway, education and balance should have pressure and encouragement uh, to build character. And we need to point out and exalt good character as much or more than we point out and condemn bad character. So we're going to be reinforcing this with our children that good character is important. Uh, you provide recognition for good grades and good character. We're going to teach children through the curriculum to discern the character of individual. We're going to emphasize character as primary and intellect as secondary. And uh, this can be done in any of the subjects. And when we go through literature studies, we always look at the character of the individuals as we go through them. It's super important to note that, and you'll see this if you start studying providential history, you'll start seeing how the internal working of Christ in men has had an outer working in civics. So there is an application of civil government when we're talking about Christian character. Um, from Dr. Elias Baudinot, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce is it, that. Is it French? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that it's French and it's pronounced Baudinot. He was the first president of the American Bible Society from 1816 to 1821. In the Christian History of the American Revolution, it talks about, um, he said, good government generally begins in the family. And if the moral character of the people once degenerate, their political character must soon follow. I think that that's true of both how people end up voting, but also it's true of people who end up in positions within civics. Continuing with the idea on the importance of character and civics, Abigail Adams wrote to Mercy Warren, and she wrote from Braintree on November in 1775. Abigail said to Mercy Warren, I am curious to know how you spend your time "'Tis very saucy to make this demand upon you, "'but I know it must be usefully employed, "'and I am fearful if I do not question you, "'I shall lose some improvement which I might otherwise make. "'A patriot without religion, in my estimation, "'is as great a paradox as an honest man without the fear of God. "'Is it possible that he whom no moral obligations bind 
can have any real goodwill towards man? Can he be a patriot who by an openly vicious conduct is undermining the very bonds of society, corrupting the morals of youth, and by his bad example injuring the very country he professes to patronize more than he can possibly compensate by his intrepidity, generosity, and honor? The scriptures tell us righteous men exalteth a nation. And this is an excerpt taken from L.H. Sigourney's Letters to Young Ladies. Another document from our history comes from Samuel Adams in a letter to James Warren dated February 12, 1779. And in this letter, Samuel Adams is talking about how virtue is needed. He said, A general dissolution of principles and manners will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. If virtue and knowledge are diffused among the people, they will never be enslaved. This will be their great security. So let's talk about that a little bit when it comes to parenting and also setting the example for our children. A lot of times there are Christians that will shrug off certain content or usage of words in film or music or cartoons or literature and they'll say, well, we're all adults here. We, we already know, you know, the moral standard that God has for these things. It's okay. We're, we're not going to model it ourselves. Well, we have to be careful for ourselves and for our children because scripture is very clear that bad company corrupts good character. Behind every book, behind every script for a film or a cartoon or audio drama or every lyric that's written by a musician are individuals that have a certain worldview. If it's not a biblical worldview, we have to pause and ask ourselves, is this going to be then good company that I'm keeping with? I'm not going to limit it to just what we take care to put before our children. We need to be modeling as well the standards and living it out. Another thing that I want to say about this is that A lot of times parents don't make the connection to attitudes or difficulties that they're facing with their children to what it is that they let them read or listen to or watch. Obviously, obviously we're all born of a sin nature. So there's the flesh to battle with as it is. But again, there's a warning from scripture about the company that we keep. And bearing in mind that all of these things have company behind them, individuals behind them, and it's how we're spending our time with the content that these people put out, it can corrupt us further. So we want to take care to nurture our own Christian character as well as our children's. When we do, then we have an outer working that ha- that we see in our own lives and that also translates over to our nation, like Samuel Adams was writing about. So how should man be controlled? This is a question that comes up just in general conversation for a lot of people. Um, If you take a T-chart and you label the left side sinful, prone to evil, and then the right side basically good, these are dichotomies when we're looking at worldview. A Christian will recognize that a person is born sinful and prone to evil. 
and an atheist will look at everyone as being basically good. So the solution that Christians see, because we understand that all individuals are born sinful and prone to evil, the solution to um, being controlled is internal regeneration because of Christ. The development of Christian character and self-government is important. And when we have this, out of that flows a form of government, which is the Christian republic, a Christian form of government that we have, that is seen historically as we study God's providential history. However, in a uh, pagan society, you're going to have people that will say, well, everyone is born basically good, and they're going to make choices that are good in their own sight. And their solution for controlling people is to make society more just, they think, by the power of civil government. Their form of government ends up giving us socialism. So, biblically, it goes back to self-government, Christian self-government. It begins internally, Christ changing and transforming the individual. We develop Christian character as we walk with him, as we allow him to control us. Remember, it always comes back around to that question, who or what is in control? If Christ is in control because we're choosing to govern ourselves under him, he's going to govern us inside. He's going to direct, regulate, control, and restrain us inside. And then there will be an outer working of that in our lives, and we can see that in civil government, where the individual is honored, people are self-governed, they need less governance from civil government. Whereas in contrast, when you have a socialist form of government, Everyone is seen as basically good, but they want to keep trying to legislate the heart by making society more just in their eyes, in their idea of just, by giving more power to civil government over all individuals. In summary, Max Lyons from the Foundation for American Christian Education gives us all something to reflect upon. God is shaping my character to make me into his image. He wants me to be like him, and as I am conformed to his image, he will be glorified by my life. In addition, I will be happy and blessed to the degree that I am like him. God wants to use me to shape the character of my children, spouse, friends, employees, and others. I can only do this effectively if I am committed to my own character growth. The character of individuals is what shapes a nation. What will my character accomplish to advance God's kingdom in my nation? Well, everyone, thank you so much again for joining us for these podcasts. We really appreciate it and value each of you and would still like to continue encouraging you and going out and teaching at least 10 others and then encouraging them to do the same. God bless, and we'll see you next time. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com, check out our shop and our blog, and you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles, also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and His glory.